I have always attracted a lot of attention in my life. My father was a famous billionaire who owned hotel chains all over the world, so our family's wealth was enormous. I grew up in the spotlight. Glitz and glamour were the foundations of my childhood. We always had staff at our home to attend to our every need. A chauffeur, a chef, a gardener, and then there was Jeffrey, our housekeeper. Jeffrey had cleaned and maintained every inch of our home since I was a child. Cameras and paparazzi followed me everywhere. I was famous for simply being rich and famous. I became so used to it, I made a brand out of it. They made up my entire identity. I was showered in every luxury I ever wanted. I became accustomed to constant attention, adoration, and stimulation. I was rarely alone, followed by a pose of friends and admirers. I will admit, I enjoyed it for most of my life. I had no reason to believe that there was a life beyond that. At my 25th birthday party, my mom gave me a family heirloom. It was the most beautiful, bold diamond ring I had ever seen. It was mother's engagement ring and it meant the world to me. It was my mother's and has been passed down for generations. And now, it's yours. The delicacy of its jewels. It screamed luxury, but it felt like so much more. It was more personal than the other designer items that I owned, and so, it was precious to me. For when the time comes that you find that person who was unlike any other. I stared at it on my finger. How do I find them? Oh, darling, I doubt it will be hard. Seeing how many men line up on the street just to speak to you. <laughs> she laughed. But this, this is for the most elite man. A choice like no other. Someone who makes your heart sing. What does that feel like? I stared at her blankly. I couldn't imagine what she meant. Love. There's no other feeling like it. From that day forward, those words pulsed through me. I needed to know what love felt like. Not the kind you have for a parent or sibling. Romantic love. I seemed to have it all. But this ring was like a mirror I couldn't escape. I didn't know how it felt to be in love. It felt like there was a gaping hole in my life. Sure, I had dated guys. Many, actually. In fact, when I thought about it, I had always been dating someone, not because I loved them, but because they loved me. It was convenient. It didn't seem to matter what I did or said. They were always transfixed by me. I decided it was time to find this feeling that my mother described. I wore the ring on a chain around my neck to keep it close to my heart. And so I dated, guy after guy luxurious date after luxurious date all over the world. I knew I commanded attention wherever I went. Jaws would drop when I walked in the room. So why did it feel so boring? They would walk me to the door. I would always drop something, watching them rush to pick it up for me. And then they would stare deep into my hazel cat eyes. I would bat my eyelashes and smile, watching them swoon. When can I see you again? Can I pick you up tomorrow? Whenever you want, I'll be there. And each time, 
I'd smile, waiting for that feeling to pulse through me, waiting for my heart to feel something, but it never came. I felt nothing. I was bored, even. And was he the one? My mom asked one night as I hurried up the grand staircase. No, not him, I said in a dry, unenthused tone. I turned the corner to my bedroom and collided with someone. Oh, I'm so sorry, miss. I looked up to see a man, my age, holding cleaning supplies. I looked stunned. He was incredibly attractive, with chocolate brown hair and green eyes. His beard was perfectly groomed, almost slightly unkempt. My jaw dropped open. I'm Ryan, Jeffrey's son. I'll be replacing him for now. Again, I said nothing and just looked at him. I felt hot and flustered. You scared me. Yes, sorry about that. Can I help you up? He pulled me onto my feet, nodded, and then picked up his supplies and moved on. I was intrigued. I dropped my bag on the floor and waited for him to jump at the opportunity to pick it up for me. He didn't turn back. I've dropped my bag. Yes, I can see that. I believe you are able to collect it, he said with the kindest smile. I looked at him, annoyed and confused. This had never happened before, ever. I batted my eyes at him. But surely you want to pick it up for me? I'm just doing my job, miss. I have no intention of bothering you. He walked away and didn't look back. I stood there, stunned, saying nothing. He didn't dote on me. In fact, he wasn't transfixed by me. Normally men would try to linger for as long as they could or try to follow me. Each day after that, I tried every trick I knew to get his attention, but nothing worked. I plotted to bump into him throughout my day, asking him to fix something for me. He was kind and sweet and did what I asked, but he treated me like a friend. Eventually, I stopped trying so hard and just listened to him. He told me about his life, the simplicity and enjoyment of it. While mine was wild and loud and bright, his was beautiful, anonymous, and peaceful. I was fascinated by it. He was just a normal person. No fame. No glamour. He moved without question or hesitation. He talked about his goals. It left me questioning how I felt about mine. He began saying goodbye to me at the front door before I went on my dates. I would prepare myself in the grand hallway mirror that towered over me. He would look at me, nod, and say, Enjoy. Then he would open the door and a handsome man in a suit would flood in with flowers and excessive charm. One night, as a handsome man stood at the door speaking words of flattery to me, I looked at Ryan and we held each other's gaze for a second. My heart pounded as he handed me my purse. You're beautiful, he'd said, and he left the room. I thought of nothing but him for the whole evening. I imagined it was him sitting across from me rather than this man in a suit. I was so distracted I couldn't bear it one more second. I'm so sorry. I must go. Have I done something? I rushed out of the restaurant without another word, leaving the man sitting there in total confusion. 
When I returned home, I stood in front of the grand mirror in the hallway again. My own reflection looked different. I felt flustered and confused, like I couldn't breathe. You're early. Ryan stood there, ready to go home for the evening. He seemed relieved when he said it. A soft but wide smile across his face. I couldn't speak. I just stared at him. Was it terrible? He moved closer to me. No, he was lovely, but I couldn't stand to be there for one more second. Why not? I stared at my face in the mirror. My makeup was done. My outfit was perfect. My hair tied. And yet suddenly I, I felt naked. Do you ever feel like it's kind of empty, kind of boring? He said. I turned towards him, knocking my bag off of the table in front of me. He rushed forward to pick it up. When he handed it to me, our fingers touched. A shiver ran down my spine and pulsed through my body. A feeling so pure that I never wanted it to stop. That's exactly it. I want more. I need something that makes my heart sing, he said, looking at me. We were so close to each other. He reached out and touched the ring around my neck. Have you ever felt that? I put my hands on his and we held on to the ring together. Yes, I always feel that when I'm with you, he said. He looked directly in my eyes. My breath slowed, heart pounding as I stared back. My father burst through the front door, shocking us both. We jumped back from each other. Go home, Ryan. He told Ryan that he could leave for the evening and that he wouldn't be needing him or his services anymore. We both stood there, stunned. But Dad, why would you say that? What about Jeffrey? My father needs the money, sir. My father didn't even look at us. He just ushered Ryan out of the house, barely allowing me to say goodbye. I watched him walk to his car and drive off. My father stormed into his office and slammed the door shut. I was filled with anger. How could he do something like this without any explanation? I burst into his office, enraged and overcome with emotion, and questioned him on why he would make such an irrational decision when Jeffrey had been loyal to us for years. I paced back and forth, wild with anger. My father just watched me then said, I've lost a lot of money recently. The life you've had, the way we live, we just can't afford it anymore. His business was hit hard by the markets, he explained. We would continue to lose the life we had, and there was only one solution. My father and my mother sat across from me. Their expressions were stern and unfeeling. My father said, You must marry a man as rich as us. We have a friend whose son, Anthony, is the most eligible man you'll ever meet. He's a successful businessman. Nothing in our lives would need to change if you married this man. I watched in shock. But this isn't what I want. My mother held my face in her hands as a river of tears ran down my cheeks. He will support you and our family as we go through this difficult situation. I began to push back, but my mom pressed on. Charlotte, please, think of all that we have done for you in this life. We need you to consider this. My father looked at me with a hard expression. There was no love in his eyes, just fear. He patted my shoulder and then left. My heart was heavy. My body felt hollow and torn. My parents had done so much for me. 
I had to try to do this for them. I met the man they wanted me to be with. His name was Derek. He was intelligent and well-dressed with perfect hair and a glistening smile. Everyone stopped and stared as he walked by. I watched as people reacted to him the same way they have to me, with awe and adoration. I observed it all with new eyes. Ryan had given me that now. A new perspective. After our third date, Derek held me close as we waited for his car to be brought around by the valet. He asked me about my mother's engagement ring around my neck. I held onto it with both my hands as I explained the family heirloom. I didn't even want him to look at it because I knew it wasn't for him. All I could feel was the love that pulsed through me when I thought of Ryan, the only one that made my heart sing. The agony of never seeing him again hit me with such a force that I couldn't breathe. I took the ring off its chain and put it on my finger and stared at myself in the mirror. I imagined myself at my wedding and couldn't see anyone but Ryan. My heart collapsed and ran to my parents. My face flooded with tears. I unveiled the love that had grown between us. The way my heart felt when I saw him. My father was angry. My mother looked at me and kissed my cheeks. She held my face in her hands and said, Go to him. My heart was pounding as I mounted the steps to his home. I rang his doorbell and held my breath. Jeffrey answered the door. He was aged and fragile. He led me out to the back where Ryan was getting ready for work. With every step, my knees got weaker, and I questioned whether I could do this. Never before had I risked rejection like this. He saw me and stopped for a second. I didn't expect to see you again. I have something to say. You don't need to. I understand. You need a life that I can't provide. The life that you can give me has so much more substance than anything I've known. There is no life without this. I made a mistake letting you go. I didn't know who I was without all of the luxury. I thought those were the things that made me who I am. But you showed me a different side of myself. I never valued the entirety of me until I met you. Without you, love is just a word. Without you, words have no meanings. He wrapped me in his arms and stared into my eyes. Without you, my heart doesn't sing. He kissed me hard. Two hearts beating together. A song that was only for us to hear. Hello everyone, my name is Susie and I will tell you what it feels like to not taste anything at all. I never thought that that was possible in real life, but it turns out that it can happen to anyone. But first things first. It happened one spring day. My older sister and I were cycling in a park not far from our house. In general, I can ride a bike very well, and apart from that, I have quite significant experience in it. I've been cycling since I was six years old, but something went wrong that day. I wanted to show my sister how skillfully I could get from the curb to the road on a bicycle, but because of the wet road, the wheels began to slip and my bike fell down along with me. I could not manage to control the movement of the bike, so I collapsed to the ground and hit my head on the curb really hard. My sister, Melody, immediately rushed to me, but I lost consciousness. I came to my senses a few days later in the hospital. My head was bandaged, and there were a lot of sensors and doctors around. 
My mom was also present, and when I opened my eyes, she couldn't hold back her tears. It turned out that I had quite a serious head injury, which really scared all my loved ones. That day, it seemed like the worst was over because I finally woke up, but in fact, my biggest ordeal was yet to come. My mom, being happy that I was recovering, wanted to feed me with some tasty homemade food. As soon as the doctors gave the green light for her to do it, mom rushed home to bake my favorite strawberry tart. And finally, the long-awaited piece of tart was in my hand, and I was eagerly taking a bite of it. But suddenly, I faced a terrible disappointment. I couldn't taste anything at all. Then everything was like what you'd see in a movie. My mom was sobbing a lot. Doctors were fruitlessly examining me and trying to find the reason for this. And I was crying into my pillow every night so that no one could see it. It turned out that when I fell down and got a head injury, some neural connections in my brain were damaged and I lost the sense of taste. Doctors were shrugging and saying that it would take some time and more thorough examination was required. Although, since then, a little more than a year has passed and I still can't taste anything. It makes my life unbearable and gloomy. I do not enjoy the food that I eat at all. As a result, I have a poor appetite. I lost weight and started having problems with my immune system due to the lack of vitamins. Doctors prescribe me a bunch of dietary supplements, which I always have to carry with me and take some of them on an empty stomach and others after meals. My classmates began to make fun of me because in the school cafeteria, I always had a pile of bottles with me. But then they found out that I couldn't taste anything and began to make experiments on me, adding a heap of salt or chili pepper to my food. My life began to seem dark and gloomy to me. I became more withdrawn and did not want to talk to anyone. There were days when I did not want to go to school at all, and I came up with various pretexts to stay at home. My performance worsened, although before I had always gotten good grades. In short, it seemed to me that the whole world was falling apart around me, and this was all because I had lost the sense of taste. At such moments, only reading could save me. I prepared a large cup of hot tea for myself, sat down by the window with a pile of books, and plunged into the unreal fantasy world to escape from my earthly problems. Yes, I did not sense the taste of tea, but it made me feel warm. Once, quite an ordinary morning began as always, with the bullying of classmates, but suddenly something happened that deeply struck me. One of my abusers, his name was Michael, suddenly began to intercede for me. Before that, Michael was absent from school for several days. Why is he protecting me? What happened? Before, he used to mock me just like everyone else did. These questions were spinning in my mind like flies, but I couldn't find an answer to them. It even seemed to me that he had some tricky plan for me to get my guard down and then hurt me again three times harder. A week had passed since that day and none of my classmates were bullying me any longer. I was so used to being an outcast and a loser in our class that at first it felt totally weird that no one offended me. Later, Michael came up to me and asked to go to the end of the corridor behind the stairs where it was possible to talk face to face where no one could hear us. Well, finally, I thought and followed him. Michael said that he had been absent because he had a sore throat, so he needed to take sick leave. When he was ill, he wasn't able to taste anything for several days, and during this time, he understood how horrible my condition was. He felt ashamed that he had been mocking me and realized that it was not my fault that I suffered from this ailment. He asked me to forgive him and said that he knew how to help me restore my sense of taste, but for this, he needed a little time. 
After this conversation, I started hoping that I would become like everyone else again. My mood improved, I began to smile more often, and I felt a desire to live. About a month passed since I had that talk with Michael, and he invited me to go behind the stairs again to have a word with me. There, he showed me a small vial with green liquid inside. When I asked what it was, he replied that it was a healing potion, which his grandma, who was a healer, prepared specially for me. Michael said that I should drink it exactly at midnight, and then immediately go to bed without talking to anyone. Although I never believed in healers, I did everything as he said. When I opened my eyes in the morning, I immediately rushed to the fridge to try something and see if I could taste anything again. The first thing I found was a watermelon. I eagerly bit off a huge chunk, but then I was disappointed because everything remained the same. At school, I told Michael that the potion had not helped me, but he comforted me and assured me that I had to wait and the effect might not occur right away. I fastened on the hope, catching it like a lifeline, and just started waiting. I believed with all my heart and soul that the sense of taste would surely return to me again. But soon, a miracle happened. One of my classmates gave me candy. I took it reluctantly because I still didn't get any pleasure from it, but I didn't want to offend her. Without much enthusiasm, I unwrapped it and bit off a piece and instantly sensed the taste of milk chocolate in my mouth. I could not believe it and started eating more and more of it. Now, I don't know what helped me get my sense of taste back. This could be thanks to the potion given by the healer, my faith, or because of positive thinking. Whatever the truth, with the returning of taste to my life, it acquired fresh colors. I felt complete again. I wanted to study and achieve my goals. This situation showed me that those who we consider our enemies are not always soulless and cruel. Sometimes they're just ordinary humans who are under the thumb of others, and they do not want to stand out from the crowd. Apart from that, I realize that not every diagnosis is a verdict. How important is your taste for you? Have you ever thought about its role in our lives? Share your answers in the comments. Click the thumbs up button and subscribe to the channel to stay with us. The teacher's eye twitched nervously when he looked at me. I stood in front of him, nervously rubbing my notebook. The girls were whispering and laughing, but the boys were ready to eat me up with their amorous stares. Katie, I have never seen a student like you. The teacher's voice quivered. Either you answer my question or you go straight to the principal. I squealed like a mouse. The boys were all gasping with emotion, and there was hysterical laughter among the girls. It was the toughest test I'd ever had. Hi, my name is Katie, and I'm actually a genius, but I have to pretend to be stupid to get guys to like me. Before this school year, I went to another school, and I had my picture up on all the honor boards. I could compete with a lot of the teachers in terms of knowledge, and our physicist even quit after arguing with me and threw a real tantrum on the principal. After fifth grade, I stopped doing homework altogether because I was so good at it, and I had a place at Yale already secured. But my life wasn't like a fairy tale. I guess it's no secret that guys don't like girls who are too smart. I have a beautiful appearance, but my intelligence scared away all the admirers. When I was on another date, I'd get a little carried away and I'd start discussing the stages of evolution, the boundaries of the universe, or the splitting of atoms. The guys would just blow right off, and they wouldn't even talk to me at school. But I wanted love so bad, more than anything. 
So, when I got transferred to a new, better school in the state, I decided to change my life. Why do I need brains that outshine my beauty? I want a boyfriend. I want dates and attention. So, I decided to play dumb. And according to my calculations, it was going to help me. The first day, I went to school as a living doll. The guys were drooling, but the girls were a little wary. I'm a quick thinker, so I went straight to the breach. Walking down the corridor, I supposedly tripped next to a handsome man, and he just happened to catch me. Baby, are you okay? He played with his eyebrows. Wow, you're strong. I squeezed his biceps. Are they made of steel? I just work out a lot. He answered proudly, and I drink protein. Do you drink them right? How much protein do you consume? What's your protein base? And is it certified? The guy's look immediately changed. He was batting his eyes stupidly, and I think he froze. I'm getting carried away again. What the hell was that curse? Okay, that was a slip, but I almost made it. I decided to change tactics and try my luck with a smarter guy. After picking the best-looking one in biology class, I paired up with him. Everything was going great. I was dumb as hell, and he felt like a real hero. He even put his palm on mine. It took my breath away. But what is he doing? This isn't right at all. I took the guy's microscope away. Are you an idiot? It's so clear. What the hell did you write? Katie, I... I... The poor guy started stuttering, and I started to rewrite the whole thing in a frenzy. And by the time I realized what I'd done, the guy had already run away. And from that moment on, he was on his way to avoid me. What a genius idiot I am. Even zombie wouldn't eat my brain. I'm too smart. But I invented a new tactic, and I joined the company of beautiful fools. Around them, the guys walked like a herd of buffalo at the watering hole. I couldn't understand how it was possible. Even cats are smarter than these girls. Even my microwave knows more tasks than they do. The only thing that saved me was that I am a fast learner and could adapt to their strange behavior. Pretty soon, I could pretend to be so stupid that my brain was catching critical errors. And it worked. I was hit on by a real hottie. Pete and I went on a date, and this strong man was literally carrying me in his arms. I had never heard so many compliments about myself before. One day, he took me to the gym to show how strong he was. Wow, what a barbell. I went over to the dumbbells and looked at them stupidly. It's dumbbells, he proudly announced and hugged me. You don't know anything about it, do you, cat? No, will you show me? Sure, baby. That's a kettlebell. He held up a huge kettlebell and I was fascinated by his muscles. And this is where I set my record. No one can beat me. Pete went over to the weight machine, set his maximum weight, and pushed the lever as hard as he could. I'm super powered, you know? I'm like Superman. And then I started shaking with anger. My brain was screaming and it became hysterical. Even my eyes went black. Superman, that's just leverage. I went over to the simulator, I made the lever longer, and I adjusted it. And then I put my little weight on it and did the same thing Pete did. It's basic physics! What is wrong with you, Pete? How can you be so stupid? 
There was laughter from all sides of the guys. Pete's lip trembled, and he ran away. And I slapped my forehead with my palm. I'd ruined it again. I was already desperate, thinking it was all useless. Plus, my studies made my teachers furious. I came in here with the best performance, but in reality, I couldn't solve an elementary example because of my disguise. My parents were hysterical, and I made up stupid excuses. I was getting ready to get smart, but then I met Caleb, a musician from the parallel class with an angelic voice. He was incredibly handsome and cool, though he was on the verge of dropping out. I don't need to study. I'm a musician, he was saying. But Caleb was so charming that I fell in love. He wooed me beautifully, composed songs, and gave me the most unforgettable dates. You're so good to me, Cat. You're so simple, not like those nerds. I hate nerds, I murmured, melting in his arms. I was finally done messing things up. My brain was just shutting down from love. But at the end of the semester, the midterm test began, which brought me back from the dream world. Caleb was so bad at studying that he wasn't even bothered. He'd be expelled for sure, and so would I. The teachers wanted to get rid of me on principle and wrote angry messages to my previous principal. Yeah, I really screwed him over. He vouched for me. So, in another algebra class, I got axed with an elementary question. Caleb was staring at me with love, and the teacher was freaking out. Boyfriend or career? A choice that seemed impossible to me. That's where I started my story. Sit down, cat, the teacher said nervously. You can go right after class and sign the expulsion papers. No! I came up to the blackboard. Give me your tasks, all of them. And I solved them all by writing all over the blackboard and even the wall. The kids looked at me with their mouths open, and it was like the teacher saw a ghost. Lesson after lesson, I amazed everyone. I pulled all my grades in just a few days, and the teachers, even the principal, saw me as a real treasure. But Caleb wasn't thrilled. So you're a nerd, he said disappointedly. Yes, but we're good together. You lied to me. You're a crammer, cat. I don't mess with nerds. You're a fool. I got angry. You'll get expelled. You won't even be able to play music. All the rock stars were nerds, he retorted. When? The 80s? Ow. This is the 21st century. Give me a break, cat. You have homework to do. He left, and I was filled with anger. How could he treat life like that? He'll ruin himself and be nothing. I stormed into his rehearsal room, blazing with anger. Come here, I said sternly and dragged the boy by the hand. What, are you out of your mind? Just drop your guitar already. I was as unstoppable as a snow avalanche. When I took Caleb back to my house, I locked the room where my books were already prepared. Cat, are you out of your mind? Sit down and listen. I sat down next to him, textbook in hand. Get away from me, why are you doing this? Because I love you, you fool. I won't let you get kicked out of school, understand? I'm not gonna read any stupid textbooks. You won't, just listen. You're a musician, and you're better at hearing information. That's why it's hard for you to memorize lyrics. I made Caleb listen to himself. We took breaks for tea and conversation, and then I'd go back to hammering it into him. 
The kid didn't like it, but I managed to teach him for days at a time. Cat, that's it, that's it, I don't like it. Okay, I crossed my arms around my chest. My anger, overwhelming. School's not my thing, Cat. Yeah, you're better off living with your parents until you're old. Work at the diner, play guitar in your spare time. Maybe even play at a cafe or two. Good luck, Caleb. When he left, I cried. I'd fallen in love for the first time, kissed for the first time, and he ruined everything. When he gets expelled, we'll never see each other again. He doesn't want someone like me. And I guess it wasn't love for him. For a week straight, all I listened to was the song that Caleb had dedicated to me. And then, in a heartbreak, I deleted it. I made my choice. But as soon as I did, I heard the same song from across the street. Caleb? I almost fell out the window. I'm sorry, Cat. I'm an idiot. Caleb put the guitar down, and then he showed me his textbooks. I don't want to drop out of school, because that's where I see you. I love you, Cat. Will you help me pass my exams? I was so happy. I was ready to fly. In the evenings, I saw Caleb on my own, and at night, I recorded audio lessons for him. When he couldn't come to class, he'd listen to my voice on his headphones and learn. Even when he was driving his car around town, I could hear my voice through the speakers. It was exam day, and I couldn't help myself. I gave my boyfriend a big kiss. You can do this, Caleb. Just know that I love you. While we waited for the test results, Caleb wasn't himself. The teachers and principal just chuckled indulgently, and they were surprised he was still in school. Even his friends were convinced that he was going to get kicked out of school. But worst of all, Caleb himself was sure of it. Classes with you were the best time of my life, he said. Caleb looked at me sadly. Thank you, Cat. I won't forget that. I burst into tears, thinking this was the end of our relationship. The next morning, after a sleepless night, I heard screams under the window. It was Caleb, and he looked like a happy puppy and a badass rocker. I passed the test, Cat. I'm staying in school. We can keep our hands off each other for days with joy. Finally, my intelligence was able to help me get on with my personal life and also help the person I love. Even now, Caleb often listens to my records and learns new things, but he doesn't forget about music either. Guys, if you think being smart is a curse, give it up. Intelligence can give you so much more than popularity in school. Don't sacrifice your future for supposed fame. Are there any of you who suffer because of your intelligence? Share your stories in the comments. Like and share this video with your friends. Also, be sure to subscribe to our channel and click the bell. I woke up to a loud pop. Frightened, I called out for my boyfriend. Tom? Tom! But Tom wasn't there, so I had to find out what had happened. I cautiously looked through the window. I saw my boyfriend coming down the drain pipe, and some girl was loading bags into it. One of the bags burst, and our family jewels scattered all over the pavement. You can't imagine how shocked I was. Tom, what's going on? I yelled. The guy, meanwhile, jumped to the ground, walked over to the girl, and kissed her defiantly. Then he shouted, I used you to steal your family's money. The whole world came crashing down at the same moment. Tears rolled down my face. Stop. You probably don't know what's going on at all, do you?
Let me start from the beginning. My name's Lissa. My parents own a huge factory and we're rich, very rich. How did I meet Tom? And why didn't I realize right away that he was pretending to steal our mansion? One day, I was walking through the mall with my friend Lily. We walked from store to store until we reached the most expensive boutique in town. The name spoke for itself, luxury. Once inside, we immediately noticed the stunning shoes. Gold color, decorated with rhinestones, unbelievable. The price was not significant, $200,000. But I fell in love with them at first sight. So without thinking twice, I took the shoes to the checkout counter. I was greeted there by a guy with the name Tom on his badge. Did you see the price? He asked in surprise. Yes, $200,000. Here's the credit card. Tom almost dropped his jaw as he processed my purchase. He packed my shoes very carefully, and Lily and I headed for the exit. Suddenly, Tom called out to us in an uncertain voice. Excuse me, I'm going to finish soon. Would you like to have some coffee? Lily and I looked at each other, and then, without even turning around, we laughed out loud. We found the idea of going out for coffee with an ordinary salesman hilarious. My friend and I said goodbye in the parking lot. As I was driving down the highway, in my rearview mirror, I noticed a suspicious car that seemed to be following me. Even pulling into the grounds of my mansion, I saw the same car drive by slowly. Maybe it was just a coincidence, and he was on his way. I walked into the house, a huge mansion on the outskirts of town. Already in the bedroom, I unpacked my purchase. I twirled in the shoes in front of the mirror for a while. Very beautiful. I wish I could have gone to school in them and wowed everyone. Even though my family was one of the richest in town, I still had to go to an ordinary school with children from poor families. Unfortunately, there were no other schools in the area. Oh, what a contingent it was. For example, the next day while I was walking down the hall, some nitwit shoved me, which caused the books I was carrying to scatter all over the floor. What a jerk. I gritted through my teeth. I agree. Someone handed me one of the books. I looked up and saw the cashier from the store. Tony? I asked in surprise. Tom, actually. Actually, I don't care. I'm new here. Can you show me around the school? I laughed out loud without another word. Carried on with my business. At the end of the day, there was a nasty surprise waiting for me in the parking lot. One of my tires was flat. Oh, crap. Wow, that looks like a serious puncture. Tom whistled. It was like he'd appeared out of thin air. I was not in the mood and barked. Piss off. Okay, just wanted to help you with changing the tire. Wait. <sighs> I sighed heavily. The spares in the trunk. Tom jacked the car up and replaced the tire. He did it easily, like he'd been doing it since he was a kid. When he was done, the guy asked me, how about a cup of coffee now? Just for a little while? I only said yes because he helped me. Tom nodded and jumped in the car. We drove to a coffee shop nearby. At first, Tom struck me as very chatty, but I had to admit, his stories were very funny. One of them made me laugh so hard, <laughs> I even got coffee coming out of my nose. After the cafe, I volunteered to give Tom a ride home, but he politely declined. I shook my hands, started the car, and drove off. I could forget about the meeting, 
But at dinner, I accidentally spilled grape juice on the white tablecloth. And in the red stain spreading across the table, I suddenly saw Tom's face. There were his cheekbones, his forehead, his funny ears. I admired the stain and sighed languidly. My mother's voice brought me back to reality. Maybe you can help me take off the tablecloth. Okay, Mom. I spent the rest of the evening cleaning the stain and thinking about Tom. This had never happened to me before. I think I'm in love. When I met Lily at school the next day, I told her everything. My friend frowned. That Tom came out of nowhere. Don't you think that's weird? You're right. I should have gotten some information about him. Lily was worried about me. She was my best friend, and she was the only one who could deal with my hot temper. And what was our surprise? When we met Tom again outside the school, in his hand, he held a glass of coffee. Here, your favorite, with almond syrup, I remembered. The guy winked. Oh, thanks, but Lily and I have to run. I grabbed a glass, and my friend and I quickly left. I needed a break to find out who this Tom really was. So at night, I planned to check all social media and find out more about him, but not until after the gym, which I did every Wednesday. I stayed a little longer than usual that day. So, I had to walk through the dark parking lot to get to my car. Just when I was opening the door, I heard a whistle. When I turned around, I saw the figure of a huge boogeyman emerge from the semi-darkness. He muttered, Beautiful car. Must be expensive. His stone gave me a good scare. I wanted to run away, but my legs stopped responding. I'll call the police. But it wasn't so easy to scare the man. He had already stretched out his arms to grab me. I squeezed my eyes shut with fear. But a few seconds passed and nothing happened. I cautiously opened my eyes and saw Tom. Next to the guy was the defeated boogeyman lying on the pavement. He was shaking his fist and screaming in pain. Come on, let's get out of here, shouted my savior. You, you saved me, I whispered. Tom put me in the passenger seat and he jumped behind the wheel. The car screeched out of the parking lot. I told Tom the address of my house. When we pulled up outside the mansion, the guy exclaimed, Wow, this house is huge. While he admired the mansion, I admired him. It was great that he'd saved me and brought me home unharmed. Tom started to say something, but I didn't listen. I clung to my savior and kissed him. Tom hugged me and we kissed for a few more minutes. However, it was time to say goodbye. At home, I couldn't stop thinking about my Prince Charming and I fell asleep with a smile on my lips. So, did you find out who Tom really is? Lily asked me the next morning. Yes, he's my hero. My savior. My friend was confused when she heard me say that, but I didn't have time to go into details. I wanted to see Tom as soon as possible. So, I invited him over to my house for dinner. Come over tonight, and I'll show you around the mansion. I'm sorry, but I'm not ready to meet your parents yet. He hesitated. Don't worry, they're gone for the weekend. Tom closed his locker, smiled, and nodded. In the evening, I met him on the doorstep, and we had a real tour of my house. We visited almost every room. But for some reason, that study interested him the most. He was looking around with a keen eye. He was especially interested in my dad's safe. Tom kept looking at it and then suddenly started asking strange questions. When did your mom and dad meet? When were you born? And your parents? 
I was glad that Tom wanted to know more about me and my family, so I gladly answered all of his questions. After the tour, I invited the boy over to the table. We ate and chatted happily, and then Tom poured me my favorite grape juice. I was extraordinarily lucky to meet you here to our meeting, and you, bottoms up. Wonderful toast, Tom. We clinked glasses, and I drank the juice. Suddenly, my phone rang. It was Lily. I had to leave the table, go up to my room, and answer it. My friend was really hysterical. She was screaming, "I checked it out! Tom the burglar! No way!" I couldn't hear another word. My ears were ringing. My eyes were getting blurry, and my legs buckled, and I fell down. The last thing I remembered was Tom's sly smile, and the rest you already know. When I woke up, my head was literally pounding. Of course, the creep had put something in my glass. Tom had bagged everything he could find, and now he was about to flee the scene of the crime with his girlfriend. I used you to steal your family's money. I felt so sorry for myself, but wanting to rip that bastard to shreds helped me pull myself together. Meanwhile, Tom and his girlfriend jumped in the car. I ran to my dad's office. The safe was open, and there were bills scattered around. So that's why Tom was asking all those questions. He wanted the password to the safe, and apparently, he had succeeded. I rushed downstairs to the main entrance. I opened the doors and saw Tom's car heading for the gate. Well, I'd have to give chase. I wouldn't want to give up everything that belonged to my family that easily. But the tire of my car was flat again. It was in the same place it had been in the parking lot. Now I knew. Tom had a whole plan to lure me into his web. He slashed my tire outside the school, and that bouncer didn't just show up at the gym. Tom had sent him too. That bastard had to do everything he could to get me to like him. Well, he succeeded. He had me wrapped around his finger so easily. I ran out into the road in a panic. But all I had to do was to watch the crooks car leave the grounds of the mansion. Exhausted, I sat down on the pavement and wept bitterly. Suddenly, the sound of a police siren was heard somewhere nearby. This was my last chance to set things right. As I ran out the gate, I saw Tom and his girlfriend being detained by the police. Standing next to the police car was my Lily. My friend rushed toward me. Are you okay? I am now. Did you call the cops? Yes, right after the call. We hugged. I was so grateful to Lily for being there for me. You're lucky. The robber took a long time with the safe and didn't have time to get away," said the policeman who came up to us. "Thank you, officer." I walked over to the patrol car. Tom was sitting in the back seat, handcuffed. He looked at me with eyes full of hate. I smiled and waved. The police left, and Lily and I went back to my place to celebrate my rescue. By the way, that story had taught me something. After I'd almost lost everything, I realized that I was worthless on my own. So it's time for me to change. I'm learning to be kinder and better, and Lily's helping me do that. What life events made you change? It would be great if you could tell me your story in the comments. And don't forget to like this video and subscribe to the channel. Bye.